0: Welcome to Season 5 of the Shock Your Potential Podcast with your host, best-selling author and international speaker, Michael Sherlock. The Shock Your Potential Podcast is dedicated to entrepreneurs looking to up their game, increase their income, and scale their businesses to new heights. Shock Your Potential is a professional services company providing affordable services to small businesses, matching entrepreneurs with virtual assistants, and offering specialized leadership and sales training to companies around the world. Learn more today at shockyourpotential.com and listen in now to another motivating episode that will help you to shock your potential.
1: Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. I'm your host, Michael Sherlock, and all month long, we are talking to entrepreneurs who deal in technology, and I can't wait to talk to this guest because we're not just going to talk about technology and how he uses it, but really how we get other people to embrace its usage, so this is going to be really good. So Patrick McCreesh provides executive leadership on strategy, analytics, and change management, and he does it through consulting and facilitation and... very importantly, research. Now, he successfully leads teams to develop strategic plans and analytics programs, and also to use all that to guide change management on large-scale transformations within business. He designs and executes institutions that are built to last, and he knows that he's done this for more than 18 years with his experience letting you know He's seen it all, believe me, he's already told me. He also had more than a decade with consulting leader Booz Allen Hamilton. Now, through all this, he brings global best practices to each engagement with his clients. He's also certified in change management and many other areas. He also teaches at George Mason and Georgetown University, so he definitely has the credibility. Also, today, we're going to talk about his brand new book that he's co-authored called Stuck. I can't wait to learn more about it because I think we've all been there. So Patrick, thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah, thank you for
2: having me, Michael.
1: I love it. I can't wait to dive into this. We had just a little bit of time before we started taping, and I know this is going to be good. So tell us a little bit more about you, your business, and how what you do helps people and companies to shock their potential.
2: Yeah, so our our company Symmetry is founded on the idea that that technology is really uh, about people, uh, believe it or not, uh, and that if you get technology right, uh, you will be able to empower your organizations the right way. Uh, But that really most organizations aren't under-investing in their technology, they're under-investing in their people. And so what we kind of focus on when we come in and work with organizations is getting any sort of digital transformation or analytics program right by starting with people, by looking at what do people need in order to to succeed around their analytics program, their technology usage. And when you start with that in mind, you then kind of back into how do we build the right technology? And you also back into how do we get the right people for the work? And our motto at Symmetry is exceptional people empowering exceptional people. That's the way that we kind of think about the business that we're building out. And from the start, we've wanted to find great people that we could bring together and align with great businesses. So we are not just building a consultancy that comes in and advises people with kind of the tried and true, but perfect techniques that cannot be modified. We're trying to come in with the right people, the right ideas and right solution that works for what that organization is going through. So everything for us is about alignment. That's how we got to the name C. Symmetry, because you create alignment, and when you do that with your people and your technology, then powerful things happen, and you really, organizations can realize their potential.
1: Do you think today, you know, from my age, my advanced age, <laughs> you know, I remember the time before computers, you know, were widely used in work. I remember the time before cell phones. Uh, I remember time of pagers, and it seems to me that, in some sense, you know, we're kind of moving a a lot of people that weren't um, as comfortable in technology. So uh, a little older than me, they have become used to certain parts of technology, but it seems to me, it just seems logical to me that we would have people just be really comfortable and want to embrace technology when it makes their jobs easier. But I think there's still, in a lot of cases, hesitancy, maybe to even... Use some tools, some technological tools, to their full extent. Like, okay, I'm going to use my, you know, uh, task management system Asana, and I'm going to use it this way, but I'm not going to use it that way. Whatever that way is, um, are those are some of the things that you face when you come into organizations? Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> Part of the reason for that,
2: uh, it, and that's something that we can get into when we talk more about our. Our, our book stuck, but I'll get I'll stick more with kind of the business side for a second. Part of the reason for that. Is- is that sometimes we don't quite know why we're rolling out a technology in the first place. Yeah. So we have to get into capability alignment for what we're doing and get that purpose right from the start. So again, I'm going to, I'm going back to alignment. I use the word a lot. Yeah. And, and so sometimes we will come into someone and say, we're rolling out this new ERP and you're gonna use it for all of your work. Mm-hmm. And someone will go, okay, I got it, but I don't work in supply chain issues. I I don't know how I use it. And so sometimes we just have a a total mismatch between a strategy with a technology rollout and the jobs that we're rolling it out to. That's on us as the people rolling it out. And and so that's, that's, I think, a big part of of the problem. And yes, the goal of what we try to do in our change management work is create that more effective alignment so -hmm. that people can see themselves in what's happening. And then I do think that to, to get more now into the, the ideas behind our book, Stuck, why do people get stuck when that happens? Well, that's because they're, they're used to doing their, their jobs and living their lives a certain way. Mm -hmm. And the way that they live their lives is really formed by what we call MEL, memory, emotions, and learning. Mm -hmm. And and it's an important concept. It's how we operate and uh, live a day-to-day. You you think about a very simple example of getting up and going downstairs to get your cup of coffee, if that's your daily routine. Then you built a memory, emotion, and learned set of behaviors around doing that. Well, the same is true in the workplace. You come in every day, or you sit down at your desk at home every day doing a certain set of things. When we come in to change that and we roll out a new piece of technology, we are making, we're not necessarily saying to them, hey, your job has changed. But are we making the most effective communication that we can that helps them understand why they need to create new memories? And effective emotions that will help them realize what the work will be like with that new software or new solution. And 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 that's to answer your your question. There's a lot more behind that that we can dig into, and I'd love to keep going through it.
1: Yeah, and it's it's really, I love how you hit on the emotion part of that because you know sometimes as a leader when you're like, hey, this is a brilliant new tool. This is gonna this is gonna streamline what we do. We're gonna be more effective. We're forgetting that the person isn't necessarily resisting because they're like, whoa, I don't want to learn that. But there's like, oh, wow, this is fearful. Or what is it going to, what if I can't learn it? Or what if I have a problem? Or what is this going to mean for me? There's a lot of emotion also involved in having to learn something new. And sometimes one of the things we want to do is put on the brakes like, whoa, Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. And so this is where
2: this is where it gets helpful to get into the way our brain works for just a half a minute. I mean, we have three major parts of our brain. We have this kind of reptilian brain that just reacts to things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that 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 reactive side is there for our survival. We then have this middle part of our brain that develops second, which is where our memory, emotion and learning is all co-located. And then we have the third part, which is where we think of more our our logical brain. That logical brain is the way we like to think we all operate as rational actors, but we don't, like, let's be honest. It is that middle brain, our emotional brain, where really a lot of this behavior happens. And it's because the memory, emotion, and learning are so closely tied together that when we say we're changing a software, the memory of sitting down and doing the activity that we do every day. The memory of getting to the computer is exactly the same, except now I log into a different system and that memory isn't there anymore. But all of the emotion was attached to the old memory Mm -hmm. and now we've changed something. And so there, of course there's an emotion that that comes along with that. And there's really only six executive emotions. And so the one that gets triggered most often is fear Mm -hmm. and it's anxiety and that triggers very quickly for people because it's just different. And that's a logical response and not in the sense of our brain, but it is logical if you think about it because we're taking something away that has been a known memory, a learned behavior that we have spent a lot of time getting people to learn usually. And now we're taking it away from them. So they are going to have an emotional response and it's a biological response. Whereas we like to think, oh, well, we've given you more money to take something new on. Why can't you do it? Or we like to think, hey, we just decided to change the performance expectations around your role. So you need to know how to do your job differently. Why can't you do it? Yes, those are things that are good for rational actors. We're not rational actors. We're emotional beings. And the emotion of fear and
1: anxiety will often overrun anything else that's happening with us. Oh, I'll tell you, um, this has been quite a few years now, but I worked for a very large organization and we were bringing multiple companies under one roof, under one operating system. You know, I think there were 18 separate uh, CRMs. You know, every ERP was different. Every piece of the technology was different. Brought them all under one roof. And I hadn't been paying it to some, you know, we had something built out completely brand new to the specs of this new company. And I hadn't really been involved because my portion of the business that I ran was going to be the last portion that was um, transitioned to the new. So I knew I had plenty of time. Well, in the middle of all this, um, we changed the roles of the vice president. So where I had been before, now I had uh, just a quarter of the U.S. instead of one giant business within the U.S. And the day that I took over was the day that they went live with our largest business unit in my new development
0: and no one had
1: tested it they had not tested it they like shut the lights off on one and turn the lights on on the new one and had not trained people appropriately had not tested it at a massive levels and i'll tell you I, I was ready to quit that day the next day because my team just panicked and they you know they're like i can't function i can't i can't make a sale i can't talk to our patients and i was like okay how do we solve this because the emotional fear turned really quickly to anger turned to just i'm shutting down forget it i'm done yeah and that's how people get stuck and and too often
2: what we end up doing is we go through these processes and there's a lot of literature and in and a lot of uh, manuals out there on how to around change management that will say that you know in that situation For example, you should have been out there communicating, you should have been out there doing all these things, and maybe they were doing all of the communication, but they didn't make it real for people. They didn't get them in the situation of actually working with the technology before they took away something else. And that's where that process that's so important, it's called attachment, takes over. Like we have attachments to things in our lives and it's a normal human behavior. And if you were to say, you bring your attachments to work, you might get HR involved for making that kind of comment because people fear saying those things. But our first book was called Attachments in the Workplace because (laughs) you cannot leave them at home. You can't leave them anywhere. It's part of human behavior to create attachments. And societies have grown by creating attachments. And we create even organizational cultures around the notion of attachments. And then we suddenly make a change and go, oh, wait, wait, wait. We don't want you to be attached to that. We don't want you to think about that. So we can't expect the same mechanisms that we use to build great organizations uh, to to then uh, disappear when we need to change those organizations. We actually have to embrace them and enable them. So in the case that you were offering, a big difference would have been first, get the technology right, get it built, and get get it enabled but also get people working with it. Let right. them understand that learn and learn the be- the new behaviors and get the emotions tamped down before you take something else away. And then that new tool becomes more comfortable and the
1: emotions would have been much softer. Yeah, no kidding. I, I couldn't believe it. I, my mind was just blown because I was like, you know, they're like, oh, well, we had, you know, we had the whatever, the f- first people who tried it. And I'm like, how many of my 500 people did that? You know, like 12 of well, that? Yeah. That's probably not what we should have been doing. Yeah, exactly. I love it. Patrick, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to hear from our sponsor for the month and we will be right back. Do you want to be a go-to expert that news reporters, anchors, and media producers turn to? Are you a media professional looking for credible, reliable, and timely guests? If you answered yes to either of those questions, then Shock Your Media Potential is for you. This one-of-a-kind platform connects vetted experts with news professionals around the globe. As a part of our launch celebration, you can participate for free in our Shock Your Media Potential virtual conference running March 28th through April 1st. Together with my co-host Eddie Luisi, known as stage manager to the stars, and also stage manager for Good Morning America, we have interviewed 25 media personalities and professionals to ask them the questions you need to know the answers to. Like, how can I make myself more newsworthy? How do I best pitch a story? How do I get invited back again and again? And much more. Some of our guests are household names with exceptional on-camera careers. Others are award-winning directors, producers, camera operators, audio engineers, celebrity hair and makeup professionals, and so much more. To learn more about our platform and our conference today, go to shockyourmediapotential.com. And we are back with Patrick McCreesh. And I I love, I love so much what you're talking about because it really merges uh, the, the basics of business with the basics of humans and it's it's really at the core so let's talk a little bit about this new book stuck you know what what possessed you to write it and and what does it you know for those of us who are sitting here listening you know what what will it help us to do within our organizations big or small to really help people not become stuck or if they are stuck to maybe unstick them a little faster
2: yeah, so um, my, my co-author Victoria Grady and I have been working together now for the last, uh, I guess, almost 10 years uh, on, on different research projects. And I have to give Victoria even greater credit because she's been at it for about 20 years doing this research around attachment in the workplace. And she's focused on what is it about those early attachments that we form and how we form them that impact us in the workplace. Mm-hmm. And as I saw her research being presented, it was about 10 years ago, I, I said, you know, there's some data that I have around the US federal workforce that I think would apply really interestingly to your concepts. Why don't we get together and try that? And so we did. And it worked well. And then we tried some more research. And then we tried modifying a survey. And and between the kind of just building all that up, we, we we turned around and thought, wow, we, we actually have a lot of material here. Between her 20 years of research and my jumping on for the last decade or so, we, we we saw a much bigger story that it wasn't about the organizations that we had been looking at one at a time. So so we have so we have looked at about 130 organizations over, over this time period. And so we decided to take all of that information about those collected organizations and all of the people that it were had we had looked at over time. And and pull that together and see what was the bigger story, and the story emerged that people were stuck uh, personally in their relationships, in the teams they were working with, and in organizations. And so, you know, to, directly to your question, what do we hope the book does? we hope that the book gives someone a little bit of guidance on how they can get unstuck for either something personal or something in the workplace mm-hmm. and th- throughout the book we do this this thing in each of the chapters where we do offer our research but this is meant to be an incredibly practical book so each chapter has exercises at the end to help you apply the concepts and the exercises are there for, at a personal level we then in, in many cases tell you how to take it to a team level. If you're trying to work through a team, uh, and we talk about how to work through something with a leader, if you are an individual who's trying to solve something with your leader and vice versa, if you are a leader looking at your team members, mm-hmm. and then you know with your organization. And there's many concepts at each of those different levels of kind of individual up to organization that, that we that we work through and share our research on. And, and at all of those levels, there should be something there for someone that they could find whatever issue they might be dealing with.
1: I'm kind of curious, um, thinking about how we've all been impacted the last couple years uh, from work from home and new technologies for a lot of people, I mean, using Zoom or Teams or all those different elements. Have you noticed anything different? Are, are people getting more flexible because they've been forced to or do you have you seen a lot of resistance? I'm kind of I don't I'm wondering if how much this is changing the, the, the course of this. Yeah. So so a lot of the research
2: suggests that actually there was a nice uh, flexibility at the start mm-hmm. of the pandemic because people did all go through a shared experience. Mm-hmm. And that was that can be very powerful yeah. because, yeah. you know, back to that memory, emotion and learning concept, we all had it together. Right. There was, you know, anyone who was getting on a Zoom was having the same problems. Anyone who was failing to get their technology working because of the broadband issues was going through it together. Yeah. Over time, we started to find some variation in that experience. And then that led to some challenges in our relationships with each other. And actually some projects that were in flight, and this is something we've seen across a number of organizations, some projects that were in flight and then went virtual had success because oh, okay. many people needed some space from each other. They needed the meetings to be to be slowed down in order to move forward with progress. So there was a productivity uptick for a lot of those groups because they knew what they needed to do. They just yeah. needed space to do it. Now where I think we have some different challenges is in something I already referenced around building culture because building culture is is a much bigger challenge when every culture looks like a black box and two images in the middle. And you can't create differentiation the same way. And so now what I find myself doing, I think rather, I will say selfishly, is recruiting off of this knowledge and talking to younger people who have now spent a year, a year and a half with a large organization where they have never stepped foot in an office, never physically met their manager. Yes, they've received all the swag, Yes, they, ha- they know the name of the company and they know their clients or they know their organizations up and down. They know what they're supposed to do and they've been doing it. They've been trained effectively, but they have no human connection to the organization. Mm-hmm. That's incredibly easy to recruit against. Yeah. And I think that is why we're seeing this, this massive resignation right now is that we've lost connection. And so where I do take a little bit of issue with some of the lessons from the pandemic, I think there's a great lesson to be learned around workplace flexibility. The concern is just you're going to lose human connectivity uh, with it, with this, and that's my that's my biggest concern for people is that they don't um, uh, m- many organizations do not appreciate how all of the work that they've put into flexibility matters, but they're losing connectivity, and that I think that will create some concern around culture for organizations. Uh, I, it's, I, each organization needs to do what they need to do. Each person needs to do what makes sense for them, and uh, and I think each and I think there's going to be struggle finding that balance uh, for people and for organizations. Uh, but, but building culture ultimately does require some connectivity.
1: I agree. Um, I was talking to somebody the last couple of days uh, that brought up a great point that, you know, we were talking about how many businesses are forcing people to come back in, how many are just saying, we'll leave it up to you. Um, And we're talking about kind of the sweet spot is um, to come together for meetings and interactions, but then to be able to have that flexibility to to stay and work when you're productive. And, um, but that then maybe we'll get more excited about the times we're together to see each other and use that as social bonding and kind of a social glue again um, to to build those relationships. But it's it's still a tr- really tricky situation because you know you, even within those organizations you've got people who are like I don't want to do a forty minute each way commute anymore I don't need to um, so why are you making me come back in and companies are saying well we have to have some of those times so it's a really interesting time to see. How we, how, how we come through this and find ways back to making our time together special and have it meet something.
2: Absolutely, and I think that's important. And a, a good friend of mine and, and colleague, Tim Creasy, loves to say, uh, need to think about, and I'm gonna screw this up, I'm sure, but when and where does the where matter? And, mm-hmm. and I think that that concept, even if I screwed up the words, and I hope he'll forgive me, is, is <laughs> kind of right. There there are times when it does matter for us to be together. Mm -hmm. And those times are important. I I think getting together around meetings and creating special time for connectivity is is critically important. The one that I'm emphasizing a lot in the business of consulting in particular is the apprenticeship model. Mm -hmm. And so if we're not creating... The, the physical space where we're driving the apprenticeship model, how are we creating it? Mm-hmm. And I don't think that it inherently needs to be together there are plenty of ways to do apprenticeship over zoom you can whiteboard slides you can do all of that yeah. it's just to be intentional about it because if you're not thinking about how you're creating and teaching that next generation in this time i think that's where that next generation will walk out the door yep. because they f- won't feel like they're growing and so you you've got i mean look human capital officers have perhaps one of the worst jobs over the next five to 10 years as they as they work through not only the multi-generational challenge, but now that plus the pandemic. But there's going to be brain brain loss. And I don't know that the regeneration happens
1: as easily with a flexible workforce. And so we got to think through all of that. I agree. Absolutely. And I think it's, it's really important for us to take this time right now to recognize what we've learned from this and try and um, really have good I guess, um, open and honest discussions about it, you know, because as I'm seeing other people and their workplaces change, um, there's a, there's a sense of, you know, okay, we're not getting, maybe we'll never go back to what it was before, but I, some, m- many, many companies don't even know how to navigate this now. And, you know, how we're, how we're going to get through this will define what business looks like and how successful businesses are for decades to come it's that important not just to flip a switch and say everybody's back in or everybody's remote or we're going to have hybrid there has to be conscious effort put into making the right decisions but by doing it by having the right discussions that's exactly right and you know for us though in
2: our in our team those discussions were why do you want to come into the office why do you not want to come into the office how do we remove the barriers on the why you don't when we want you to? And and so that we can make that easier for you. So if it's the commute time, how do we select the days and the times that make more sense? So not expect you to be here at 9 a.m. if if that doesn't matter for what we're trying to accomplish, because it doesn't a lot of times for us. And, And then how do we shift into those more relational elements when we are together? And so making sure that If we are going to drive to get 10 people in the office, we're going to drive to make sure we have lunch delivered. If we're going to drive to, you know, uh, get six people together, it may not be in the office. It may be somewhere else because it doesn't matter if it's the office. Right. Uh, It's things like that. But you're absolutely right. It's the intentionality behind it.
1: Yeah, I love it. I think this is fascinating. And I love the fact that you've put the research behind this so that it's not just, okay. here's some good ideas. But there's really research uh, proof to show why these kind of steps not only are so important, but they will make a clear difference.
2: Yeah. And I think and I mean, just to tie it back to that, I mean, what we know is that uh, there's this that's the old story of the tortoise and the hare. Like the, the brain in that story is the tortoise mm-hmm. and all of technology in our society is the hair, and, and the brain is not keeping up it, mm-hmm. and it never will. But the slight difference on the, and the twist in the story is that in, in this case, the tortoise like, has a lasso that just grabs the hair no matter how fast it tries to move uh-huh. and, and like just pulls it back, right? That's what we're dealing with. Because we can come up with all the best ideas in the world, but if they're not adopted and they're not used in any organization, they, they, won't, they won't succeed. And one person can stop an organization from moving forward on really great technology or solutions in the way that we're talking about this, because they're not ready to move forward. And then what sits at the heart of that is what we've been talking about around memory, emotion, and learning. So, I mean, that's what we kind of come back to is you've got to be able to engage that the right way. Absolutely, so important,
1: Patrick. I love this. We're going to have all of your contact information on our show notes, including links to your books. But just Thank in case somebody is too, uh, they're too, they can't wait to look up on the show notes. They want to like find you right now. What's the best way for them to reach you?
2: Yeah, so you can get to our, um, you can get to our website uh, at symmetry s i m a t r e e one dot and you know they can always reach out to me on on email. My my email is easy. It's just my last name macresia gmail. So I'm as easy as can be. (laughs) I love it. Well, before we go, do you have any last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners and viewers? Um, Depending on where you sit in your organization, you're probably gonna face a lot of the challenges we talked about today. It doesn't really matter. like Whether you're looking up and wondering what's happening or looking down and trying to get people to behave a certain way. I think the key uh, for helping people when they're stuck is to try to make sure that you understand, A, they're not thinking rationally, and, and B, that whatever they're working through, uh, you've probably been there before, right. even if it doesn't look exactly like that. And so this is where the kind of the, the empathy side comes in. You know, make sure you leverage your memories and your emotion and your learning to connect with other people's uh, memory, emotion and learning, because that's how you're going to get through the situation that
1: they're in. I love it. Absolutely. I think it's fantastic advice. I really have enjoyed our conversation today, Patrick. Thank you so much for being with us.
2: Thank you. It's been great, Michael.
0: Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Shock Your Potential podcast. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com, including details on Michael's two best selling books. Tell me more, how to ask the right questions and get the most out of your employees and sales mixology. Why the most potent sales and customer experiences follow a recipe for success. And as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and like us today.